welcome to Wild Research Bites, a podcast brought to you by the Swedish University of Agricultural Science. My name is Emily Fredriksson and I'm a PhD student at the Department of Wildlife, Fish and Environmental Studies. Today I have two guests with me, so I have two master students here, Michelle and Raoul. Welcome very much. Thank you. Hi. Good morning. <laughs> it's nice of you to join me here. So today we're going to talk about you guys' master thesis that you both are doing here at the department. So I would like you first to maybe just introduce yourself. I'm uh, Michelle. I'm f- originally from Germany and I'm studying biology in um, Stockholm at Stockholm University. And I'm here in Umeå to do my master thesis. Uh, hi, I'm Raul. I'm from Chile and I'm here doing the whole master's program in wildlife population management. And yeah, now this is my last semester writing the thesis. Okay. So when did you start your thesis? Uh, technically, I started last semester, but it was mostly doing field work. So, but I spent all summer doing field work until, yeah, the last week of October. Okay. Yeah. What field work did you do? Uh, so I was collecting a plant community composition data of non-woody plants in a wildlife sanctuary in Kyrgyzstan. Kyrgyzstan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's fun. Have you been there before? Never. Never okay. been in Asia before. Ah. <laughs> yeah. How was how was that, your impression? Very good. I was really lucky, though. I had a friend there who, uh, well, I met her there, but she was uh, good friends with uh, my advisor here, Navinder, and she really helped me. She also had a vacant room at the exact time I moved there, so that was really good. And she had already spent a year there. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hi, Sherry, in case you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. So how how long were you there, you said? Uh, Four and a half months, yeah, from like mid-June until the end of October. Oh, really? Mm. I would say that's a very extensive field work for a master's thesis. Mm, yeah, but it wasn't all of it. So I probably spent like three, just over three months going to the field uh, for about three or four days a week. Normally, I would leave on Wednesdays and come back Sundays, but Wednesday was traveling, and Sunday we would leave early. So actual field day was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Okay. Cool. It's fun. Nice. Yeah, adventure. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like an adventure. I've never been to to Asia at all, so that's cool experience to get. Definitely recommendable if you yeah. like mountains, yeah. Mm, nice. Cool. So, Michelle, when did you start? I started in um, August. So I moved here in the end of June. And then I did the summer course here, Sustainable Use of Natural Resources, where we hiked through northern Sweden. And after that, I started my thesis in August. But I'm not doing any field work, so I'm only doing data analysis. Okay. Nice. Okay. So maybe we should start then with uh, talk about your thesis (coughs) a bit, Michelle? If you want to explain what it's what it's about, what it yeah. is. So I'm investigating golden eagle movements in relation to linear infrastructure. So roads, railways, and also power lines. And therefore, I have um, data from nine years, from 2010 to now. Mm. Um, GPS positions. And um, yeah, I'm investigating how they move around infrastructure and what other factors are affecting their behavior and their movements. 
So what kind of types of infrastructure can that be? They can be roads and railways mostly. Okay. Like train tracks. Yes. So you're um, yeah, so you got this old data then from your supervisor? And yes. You're analyzing exactly. it? Exactly. How is that? It's um, a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> it was maybe a bit hard at the beginning because I never did like movement analysis before. But I also chose that topic because I wanted to learn a bit better R and GIS too. And um, that's why I did the thesis and to improve my skills. Yeah. And it's going really good. I like it. I like it a lot. It's very interesting to investigate their movements. Cool. I mean, if you have a, a interesting um, species or a topic, then the numbers are a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> cool. So you never have you worked with GIS or R before? Um, I did a GIS course in from Stockholm University. Um, and with R, I also did it during my undergraduates in Cologne, but not as intensively as I do now, I would say. And also a different type of analysis. Mm. Yeah. Also now working with GIS and raster layers and in R is like different from what, I, what I've done before, but I really enjoy it so far. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, it is a big learning curve, I think, starting R for many people, like yeah. doing coding and everything. It's... It's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it. Yeah, it goes up quite rapidly. When you want to start it, you work with it every day. I think you're good. <laughs> yeah, endless amounts of things to learn from that. Do you also work with R? So yeah, that's the idea right now, and uh, haven't started much of the analysis in my thesis, but I'm actually doing uh, by myself an R course right now to relearn everything. I also need to do GIS in there. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't, uh, for example, have R when I did my bachelor or master thesis. They, they were we were doing MATLAB then, um, so it's like a, a little bit towards that, but still um, not really. But I also got introduced to it during my master thesis, um, which was interesting. But also, it felt felt very very hard, you know, like going from this menu based statistics to all of a sudden you're supposed to write your own code felt very intimidating mm -hmm. um, but I mean it is very nice when you start doing it <laughs> I think it helps a lot yeah when you actually achieve something when you like have an error and then you find finally find what's wrong and then it's a big achievement for you <laughs> yeah when you can finally correct it and everything works yes there's a battle <laughs> but you always have your code, which is the best part. You can always go back, change it, remember what you did. I think that's the best thing for me anyway. And keep track of what you're doing. Write what you did. <laughs> yeah, comment the code. Yeah, comment, right. Tips for everybody. Exactly. Comment the code. Because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise you're like, I copied this code from some website. I have no idea what it does. Yeah. But it works. Nice. But Michelle, do you have any... So you analyzed the, are analyzing the data right now? Or yes, so, so do you um, have any like uh, preliminary conclusions or results or anything fun you can share? Yes, so my general hypothesis is that um, um, the eagles going to roads and linear infrastructure creates um, an ecological trap for the eagles. So therefore, you need uh, criteria. For, to prove that it's an ecological trap, that it's mostly hard to do for most scientists. Hmm. Or in general, it's very hard to prove. And um, 
yeah, for an ecological trap to exist, they have to, um, the habitat seem to be very attractive. And it's mostly due to rapid changes in the environment. But when animals finally go there, um, it's maladaptive because they um, have low, like fitness costs, they die or they mm. have a lower fitness then. So they're like choosing something that's not optimal, but they think it's the they best. They think right? it's the best. Mm. Yeah, correct. So I have already results that we can see that eagles go actively go to roads and mm. train tracks. Power lines are a bit, uh, they also go to power lines, but you also have to see, because there's a bunch of correlation between train tracks and power lines and yeah. roads. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we can already see that eagles actively select the habitat. Hmm. So that's... Um, how, how would this be a trap for them, would you say? Is the, like, um, the infrastructure a, a, a worse habitat in some regards? Yeah, definitely, because uh, there are a lot of road collisions. Okay, that happen. So um, we have very good data. That's why we can investigate the ecological trap so good. We have very good data about the um, traffic accident road kills, mm. ungulates and other species that yes. die on uh, on roads or train tracks. So and in Sweden, golden eagles scavenge on the carcasses. Mm. So we think that they go to the roads, search for carcasses, and in the end they have a high risk to die themselves because they got hit by a train or by a car. Mm. And um, we also have good data about this. Um, last year, 100, about 100 eagles died. Golden eagles together with sea eagles because mm. sometimes they are hard to distinguish for yeah. people or when they're... Because yeah. is golden eagle one of those species you have to report if you hit them? Because yes, I, I, think I, so. I know that th these big animals, like if you hit a, um, a some kind of like a predator or a moose or something, you have to report it to the yes. police, I think. I'm not sure, but maybe it's the same for eagles. Yeah, eagles too, I, I think. I mean, they're listed as near threatened in Sweden, mm. the golden eagles. So I think um, <coughs> you have to report. Yeah. But... The thing is, yeah, with the uh, we have the white-tailed eagle too here, <laughs> and sometimes it's hard to distinguish if it was a golden eagle or a white-tailed eagle. But so 100 eagles, I think it's over 100 is c kind of a lot. Mm. How so big is the population? Do you know? I'm not super sure. No, but it's like, are there several thousand, or I guess there should be. I would have to look that up. Actually, <laughs> I'm yeah. not super sure no, right now. It's fine. <laughs> But I not see. super dense, no. <laughs> no, I mean, if they're near, I mean, they're near, near threatened. threatened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not millions of them yeah, flying around. Exactly. Okay, but that's very cool that this idea that they think they're choosing something very... Yeah. Like they see there's a lot of food for them at the roads, but they pay a too high price for it to be worth it. Yeah. And I guess this made sense before if the the open thing was a mire or something. Yeah, but I mean, now when it's a road, you have this. We, the thing is that we humans are changing the environment very rapidly in terms of evolution, and the animals don't have time to to adapt yeah. to it properly, and they might run into into a trap. And especially predators and ap like apex predators and eagles are so vulnerable to mm. um, this because they have such a slow life cycle. Yeah, I just. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was just thinking about 
um, people saying this in Sweden always with the reindeer and roads. It's like, why are they so stupid always in the roads? They should, you know, by evolution learn that you can't run around on the roads. You would die and get hit by roads. But you're like, yeah, but evolution doesn't really work in like 10 years. <laughs> <or> 20 no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was going to ask, uh, what about the power lines? How does, have you seen any results there? Or how, how uh, are they also considered a trap? Yeah, so we can see that eagles are selecting for power lines. But um, the problem is that they are correlating a lot with roads and trains, especially train tracks, because they're at the same uh, location. Okay. So, um, but we can see that they also select power lines. And we have data reported eagles um, that died of electrocution also. Oh, yeah, because I was just thinking, what is the danger of them being in the power lines? At least you don't have any cars or trains there. No, yeah, but it's also sort of a clear cut because mm -hmm. it's a clear cutted area and yeah. eagles use clear cuts for hunting. Mm. And um, I would say oh, maybe also other birds die there. So it's the same with the scavenging behavior. Yeah. Cool. Mm. Very interesting subject. How did yeah. you, like, find it or... I was like, uh, yeah, I think people f find or discover their, their theses in a very different way. So interesting in hearing how you found yours. Yeah, so the specific topic in the end I chose by myself. Hmm. But um, I, know, I knew that I wanted to do a PhD in a specific field. Oh, so you're already seeing past the thesis yes. to the PhD. <laughs> cool. Um, in movement, in movement ecology. Mm. Um, and uh, in Stockholm, at Stockholm University, there were like, no real master theses that are, would really interest me. So um, I looked around. I think I googled probably some other universities too, also SLU. And then I found um, the eagles. <laughs> and I'm, I mean, I'm also interested in other other animals for sure. But I have a background in raptors, and um, I really like them. And uh, I have a fascination for them, sort of. And uh, yeah, then I found... Impressive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then I found my supervisor and uh, wrote him an email. And he responded to me within one minute. Aha, uh -huh. cool. So you just said, I'm interested in doing a, a thesis in this topic. What yeah, do you think? I, yeah, exactly. I wrote a bit about myself and mm. um, what I want to do. And then he responded within one minute. Um, And then I talked to him on the phone, and then he told me, yeah, you know, you have to move to Umeå now. <laughs> yeah. Because I didn't know that there was an SLU2 in Umeå. Hmm. I think many people don't know that. Many people think that it's only in uh, in Uppsala. Yeah, it's the biggest campus. So yeah. Nice. And then I was like, okay, then I'm going to do it. Then I'm going to move to Umeå. Hmm. Nice. <laughs> yes. Further north. Yeah, but I think that's a great point that if you don't have to like look for announcements for your thesis work you can really like this is what I'm interested in and find a researcher that does yes. that because most senior researchers have PhDs and master students master thesis students doing projects for them so yeah nice so what about you Raul how did you find your project uh, I kind of uh, designed it myself oh yeah so in the First, yeah, in the first uh, course I took here for the masters, Navinder came to give a lecture, and I really liked what he studied and uh, the way he taught. So I went and talked to him afterwards and asked him if he wanted to be uh, my supervisor, if I could be a student. 
And then I mentioned him. I wanted. I would really like to go to either Himalayas or Central Asia. Mm-hmm. And we started to talk around, and Kyrgyzstan happened. Cool mm. initiatives. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. We call this. Uh, <coughs> sorry. Uh, so he has a friend, a contact in Kyrgyzstan who works for Snow Leopard Trust. Mm-hmm. He's a regional research, and. Yeah, I talked to him and asked him if what kind of stuff he would need, what would be helpful for them, and also what I'm interested in. When decide this uh, on this project, that the idea is to see. So they have a wildlife sanctuary, which is big valley, about a hundred square kilometers. It's not that big, but uh, the only thing they do f- to change the management is they don't allow hunting, and they actually monitor that. There's a lot of illegal hunting over there uh, of ibex, which is the wildlife, uh, the natural prey of snow leopards. Uh, but there's still livestock there, so there's quite a bit of conflict between uh, people who have the livestock and the snow leopards. So I'm trying to see the effects of indirect competition between the wildlife, the natural prey of snow leopard, and the livestock. So how they compete over food? Yeah. Then. Okay. That's the idea. Mm. So what is your, have you have a look at your data or analyzed it, anything yet? I or? have, but I haven't analyzed it. Mm. But, but what is your then expression from the field, maybe? From the field, I don't think there's that much of an overlap in terms of food competition, because also there's a very big geographical gap, mm-hmm. especially, so the Ibex are quite a bit higher in altitude in these valleys. They're very steep. They look like some kind of... Th- there's like a, there's a wild goat-ish. Goat. Yeah. yeah. Mm, right. Yeah. <laughs> They're a wild goat. And then the livestock, they're mostly down in the valleys. And the only time the ibex could go down there, as far down as the livestock go, is uh, in the winter, oh, when okay. the livestock are not there. So they really have a bit of separate niches? Yeah. Kind of. Mm. But... They used to hunt them a lot, so if the snow leopard doesn't have a prey, they would kill livestock. And also there's a big cultural thing that predators are evil and they'll kill your babies and you know all that. Yeah, fear mongering around predators is common yeah. well, in a lot of places, I think. Yeah. Yeah, my mom was scared of me staying over there as well. <laughs> uh, but nothing happens. I mean, it's way more likely that you break a leg than get in by a predator anywhere. Hit by a car or yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> 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 I sense the story here. <laughs> you got hit by a car? No. I did. <laughs> you did? Yeah, but years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, Not during field work. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Okay, no. that's good. But yeah, being hit by a car is more likely than being yeah, hit absolutely. Hit attacked by a predator when i go in the field too my family is always scared that i was attacked by a bear or a wolf (laughs) or something and i'm like it's it's, i don't know feels like sweden has the safest forest ever you could be into kind of it's like really i mean of course you could get lost and break your leg or get hit by a car but but not really (laughs) for wild animals so no preliminary results yet no but do you have any what's your like predictions or hypotheses or mm. I mean you touched my it. hypothesis is that the biggest dip so what I'm looking at is the plant community compositions based on functional <laughs> groups so 
you know, non-woody plants are associated are divided into functional groups. So, uh, whether it's by their physiological features or their phenology, whether they're annual or perennial or forbs. So I looked at non-woody plant community compositions. So the proportions of these pastures I selected, how uh, the percentage cover of annual grasses, perennial grasses, forbs, and bare ground. Mm. So I think the biggest... Uh, the biggest factor influencing the differences in those will be the abiotic factors. So elevation, aspect, slope, mm. and distance to water. Yeah. 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 And for the practical uses of this, which was the initial idea for the NGO to have some scientific background there to help them in the management, I think the biggest issue, they the biggest thing they can do is stop killing the ibex mm. and i mean they started doing that i think uh 10 years ago when the population has more than doubled al already so, yeah. but they kill them for meat or for meat yeah. for sport there's oh, okay. a people who come and pay locals for them to guide them up there mm -hmm. yeah I see. it's a cultural thing some of local people also shoot them to uh to get meat that way they don't have to uh kill one of their livestock oh, i see yeah yeah, these like um, uh, management interactions with livestock and wildlife is very interesting, but also very complicated. Yeah, because you also you have the like ecological factors, but you also then have the social factors oh mixed. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah, and I got I got to uh, meet pretty well one of the shepherds up there, hmm. Salamat, young guy, super nice. Didn't speak a word of English, and I don't speak any Russian. He was a super nice guy. He invited me to stay in his house several times. And, yeah, I mean, pretty poor people, and they kind of depend on their livestock for a living. So it's understandable that if a wild predator comes and kills some of his sheep that his family's going to eat, he's angry at them. And then he sees this international organization, which gets money from, you know, the richest parts of the world, mm -hmm. Europe and, and North America, come and tell them, no, you can't shoot them because uh, because of ecological reasons. Like, why would he believe that mm. or yeah. want to? Yeah. It's like you want, you need to have incentive for the, the yeah. local people too. Yeah, so that's a whole plan they do. So they involve the local people in the management. <coughs> this NGO I work with. So, for example, some of the rangers, they used to be shepherds. And actually, some of them used to guide hunts. Yeah. So they tried to involve them. They all sign a contract that they will not harm wildlife and they'll actually report. And they actually incentivize economically yeah. the protection of wildlife. That in Central Asia has apparently been fairly successful. Mm. It's a great idea, like giving them something else that gives income or yeah. purpose or something. So you just don't, you just, you doesn't just take away what they're doing and say yeah. you're, you're not supposed to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really interesting. So how, when are you planning to be done with your thesis? June. June? Yes. Yeah, Both me too. Okay. So how does it feel? Time planning wise? <laughs> 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 yeah, it's okay. Mm? I would say. Yeah. Definitely. Feels Great. doable. Mm. Yeah. For you? Yeah, right now it feels yeah. good, but we're just in January, so. Yeah. <laughs> you both have 60 credits. Yeah. yeah. Like a one year thesis? Yeah. Okay. 
So was that when you decided or talked then with your supervisor about your topic? Was this 30 or 60 credit um, thesis? How was that discussion? Or was it just, it has to be 60 credits? I wanted a 60 credit and he thought it was a good idea as well. Yeah. yeah. I um, asked him what he wanted to do. Um, I think in Stockholm there's a 45 credit thesis oh, too. Really? I think it's not here. No. So um, Nevinder told me that he was interested in a 60 credit thesis. So I agreed to this. And in the end, I figured it's better for me too if I work a bit more yeah. and uh, have, a more, have more time to learn more things. Mm. Yeah. I mean, if especially if you have plans of doing a PhD, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, definitely. I yeah. felt so too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I had a th uh, 30 credit master thesis, but I still thought that was <coughs> like a very scary big project uh, to do because I also did field work oh, in that okay. time. Uh, n I mean, not as that extensive as you, Raoul, for example, but uh, at least for f three or four weeks or something. Um, but yeah, it was... I mean, if you've never written a a big project, like pulled through a whole project, because it is then everything you do in research, you plan fieldwork or data handling in some way, and maybe you do fieldwork, and then you have maybe lab and, you know, writing the actual paper and everything. So it's a big, and big thing. Do you think it's much of a difference in terms of work and effort between a 30 and a 60 credit thesis? Like you did, like you did field work and everything. I mean, I guess you get a bit of a, a harder time constraint, and you can't do as big of a project. That's mm. just how it is. I was actually advised by that by some some friends that did the same masters, mm. but uh, one or two years before, they advised me to do a sixty credit thesis because the thirty credit thesis is you still need to do pretty much the same as a sixty credit thesis, just a bit smaller. Mm. But in half of the time. Yeah. But the work is not double yeah. if you do the 60 credit. I mean, the it is very hard for a, a supervisor or researcher too to to estimate if a thesis should be 30 or, or mm. 60 credits. Um, and I mean, it really depends on the project, I think, a lot too. But if you have more time, you can also do maybe more in-depth analysis and you can maybe write uh, more or yeah. you can you know do more of the lab or field work yourself <coughs> so i mean it doesn't have to be better or worse it's just yeah but I, I think i would have liked to have a longer one too i didn't really feel like i i you know got all of the potential out of my my data and everything for my thesis yeah i had the same problem for my bachelor thesis i think i did it in two months Something mm. in Germany, it's not super long. Yeah, we have 10 weeks usually here, 15 credits bachelor. Yeah, and uh, I did experiments. Mm. So um, especially when something's going wrong with your experiments, I think um, I had a lot, a lot to do during my bachelor thesis. <laughs> yeah, let's say this. And it would be would have been nice maybe to have it a bit longer. Mm. Yeah, so I think it depends on what you're doing. I would say when you're doing an experiment, it's probably better to do a 60 credit yeah. thesis. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it is very difficult to to estimate. I mean, we yeah. have these discussions among the researchers here when we uh, admit students and it's like 
where do we draw the line? How do you distinguish between 30 and 60 credits? Uh, because it, it is not easy to estimate the yeah. time it takes. Because, I mean, most researchers, PhD, then you juggle usually, you can compare it to many theses at the same time, kind of. You have a lot of projects that are spread out over a longer time. So it's, it is, I don't know, I don't have a lot of experience. I'm only a PhD student. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but since you, you, a master's student is doing only his thesis for this time, it's a bit different. So you both think you're going to finish on time? You feel good? Yeah, I feel good. Yeah. So are you staying <laughs> here after? Or what's your post-thesis plan? Um, I'm not sure yet. I want <laughs> to... I definitely want to do a PhD. Um, but I think not directly after my thesis. So first I want to um, work a bit, travel a bit. Um, hopefully in the field. Otherwise, yeah. I, I think I... Yeah, I definitely want to do this before working. Yeah. Nice. So doing um working, do you have any like what type of work? Uh it doesn't really matter for now. Um I would like to stay in the field though. This this mm. would be really nice if I can do some field assistant jobs or conservation work somewhere around the world. Yeah. But um in the end it doesn't matter. Mm. I mean, it will be a great experience, I guess. I'm sure I will find something. <laughs> yes, of course. Yes. What about you, Raul? Uh, if I finish in June, which I think I will, uh, my plan is to travel a little bit, and then I'm going to go back home and work there. Mm. Yeah. Nice. You have any? You have your eyes on something work-wise there? Uh, yeah. I already have a somewhat of an informal job offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this is with a private uh, rancher, a landowner. Okay. So, yeah. Will I that be an, uh, research-related in any no. way? Or? No, I want to... No, so my plan long-term is to influence the land management mm. practices back home from southern Chile. So it's not very populated. It's no agricultural land, so it's all extensive management. And extensive management? What is that? It means that... Uh, there's very little land that you actually plow and plant, mm -hmm. and it's mostly dedicated for livestock, but in very low densities. Okay. Yeah. So it's the opposite of an intensive uh, production system, which is generally what's uh, fond upon. You know, a lot of feedlots, a lot of grains, yeah. a lot of concentrations. It's quite the opposite. Mm. So, yeah, that's my plan long term to influence the land management back home. So work really, like with the management side yeah, of it. exactly. Mm. And since most of the land back home is uh, privately owned, mm. uh, I think I, yeah, I want to get some experience in, in that field and, yeah, work with private landowners. And it's also really fun. <laughs> Sounds really fun. Yeah. I think, I hope it'll go good. I think it will. Yeah. Sounds really, oh, I mean, one can always try and do something else. Yeah. If it's, it's not what you thought. Okay, I wanted to ask you guys what what the best part so far has been doing your thesis. In the thesis or in oh, yeah. like living here in general? Yeah, but your experience of doing your master thesis here. Mm. So you can pick whatever you want. <laughs> so in my thesis in general, I would say um, 
art is definitely the most fun for me, but also the hardest. Mm. That's kind of the struggle it is. And um, yeah, I really enjoy living in Umia here. I really enjoy it. I have um, uh, stuff that I'm doing here. I'm going dancing, for example. We we have a really nice group at the moment um, with the other master students. Mm doing a lot of stuff, going out and hanging around. And it's really nice. I really enjoy it. And the the nature here is so, so uh, beautiful, especially when I was um, hiking in the summer, mm. in the summer course. I got to know the nature and the, the forest here in northern Sweden. And I uh, really, I really like the forest here, definitely. I'm nature happy you got to beautiful. see it in summer because uh, this winter has been... Completely yeah, but the, the annoying thing was the the mosquitoes. They were yes. super, ooh, a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, did yeah. It you have to. Intense, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's worth it though. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen any northern lights? <laughs> it's La. been a bad year. Yeah. So far, but so far, no. I was either I was in Stockholm or I was back home in Germany and. Mm. Uh, but I'm sure mm. I'm definitely going to see them. And I haven't seen any golden eagles yet either. Oh. I've been out with my supervisor quite a few times just to um, go around and see if we can catch some eagles uh, in the air, see some eagles. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we didn't find any so far. Oh, I, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm sure this will be a good year for me to see both the aurora and golden eagles. Yes, yeah. I will. Uh, cross my fingers, I think you say in English, but in Swedish we say tumana, like hold your thumbs. Mm-hmm. It's the same expression. Yeah. Which, <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, best part, hardest part? Oh, thesis? Yeah. Uh, so hardest part, I think, is going to be R. So far it has been organizing all my data. And the best part, uh, I really enjoyed field work. And also here, SLU in Umeå. The university is really comfortable. I mean, there's so many spaces. Everybody's really welcoming. My advisor, Navinder, has been great. I mean, you just go knock on his door, and he really he's really open to, to solve problems and to be really proactive. And, yeah, it's not that big, but you still have a lot of things to do. And, yeah, all the group of students is pretty fun. Made some really good friends here. Nice. Sounds like you're both having a nice experience. Doing your thesis here? Mm. Yeah, definitely. So maybe just a last thing. It's like your, what would your best tip or a suggestion be for somebody who wants to do their, their master's thesis? Do you have any, like you shouldn't do this or you should definitely do this or, you know, what would you have wanted to know before you started or something like this? Hmm. I think I already knew this, but I would still (laughs) highlight it. Write down notes, keep track of (laughs) everything you do, and stay motivated and focused. I can't really think of anything. I would definitely go with the notes. Yeah, because now I have to start writing a bit, and uh, it's good that I'm I'm starting now to keep track of what I'm doing and remember what I did. did, Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Great advice. Yeah. That's the end of my questions. If you have anything you would like to add. Mm. Umi is really great for accessibility to the forest. Yeah, I mean, here you just walk out a few, like half an hour and you're already without sight of any building or anything. Yeah. That's really good part of what drew me here. Mm. 
and it's still not a, a super tiny city. You still have yeah, like everything you need. Yeah. Then I would just like to thank you a lot for joining me here, and I would like to. Um, my idea is maybe to have this as a continuing thing on the podcast that we could invite master students, uh, master thesis students to talk about their projects because I think it's a great way for other students to hear about mm -hmm. the project. Uh, I hope you enjoyed talking about your project <laughs> um, and also to have examples of, of topics we have here at the department. It's really nice. Yeah, that would be a great idea. Cool. Okay, mm -hmm. thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you too. <laughs>